Hey, this is Dr. Mike Barnett. It is an awesome privilege to fill the pulpit every Sunday at the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Having you listen to our messages on this podcast is an incredible blessing as well. And I pray that you will be encouraged in the Lord as you listen. It is vital that you commit yourself and your family to the Lord through the ministry of a local church. While it is a great blessing to have you listen to our messages, no one will be able to minister the Word of God to you or your family like a local pastor. So please do not consider this podcast as a replacement for your presence in your local church on Sunday. Be faithful, get connected, and God bless. I invite you to open up uh, your scripture, your copy of the Word of God to 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 12. As we continue our worship after that wonderful uh, time of testimony about the Lord and worship to the Lord and affirmation from the Lord as we sing uh, those grand songs that has always been a blessing to sing and a reminder. Well, thus far, Peter has, in this second epistle, equipping us to bear the truth and be faithful to the doctrines of the faith, the true teachings of the Word of God. He has told us about what our salvation is, and then he has told us how to have assurance of salvation. And now he opens up a portion of this letter that he writes to us today about the Bible, about the Word of God. And so the next few weeks we will be preaching on the subject from this text on the Bible, what the Bible is how it came to us in general terms, and also uh, how it is our authority. Next week is going to be a very important message about the authority of the Bible. But today, Peter does something that I think is just so relevant, as all the Word of God is, but sometimes you read a scripture and say, boy, that's where I am. You ever read that, been reading the Bible, or hear something preached from God's Word, and you say, that's where I am. Well, this is where I am, and he deals in, our, in this text with our tendency to forget things. How many of you have trouble with memory sometimes? You know, uh, I do. I have to write things down. I've got an app on my phone that's front page on the home screen of my phone that I keep a list of things I have to do every day and I mark them off day to day. You know, eat breakfast, (laughs) mid-morning snack, lunch, things like that. Uh, Just all kinds of things. I wrote some on the list earlier this morning that I got to take care of this week. Uh, We tend to forget some things. You know, there's some things though uh, that uh, we joke about forgetting. I wonder how many people forgot to spring forward today. I I don't want to get off into anything, but I sure wish the federal government would just say, you don't have to remember that anymore. But uh, 
Anyway, uh, you might have forgotten to change your clocks ahead. Now everything's so digital, it automatically does it. Uh, sometimes uh, I've known some men to forget their wedding anniversary. Unlike David and Sharon Coward, who celebrate 51 years today. Y'all stand up. 51 years. Sharon, did he remember? Did he remember? After you reminded him? Okay. But uh, sometimes we forget our wedding anniversary. Have you ever gone to Walmart and forget what you went in there for? How many of you ever gone to the grocery store or somewhere and forget where you park your car? That happens to me all the time. So the way I saw that a few years ago is I just park right in the row that's under the W. And if that parking line is full, I come back later. I mean, that's just how I do it. So I won't forget where my car is. You think I'm joking. I'm serious about that. And every now and then we'll go together and Tracy says, why don't we try something different today? Park over here. You're with me. But anyway, I'm with you. You won't forget. But uh, we remember what we should forget on a more serious note, and we forget what we should remember. Back years ago, I used to run traps with a guy. We'd trap different things and sell them, and, uh, you know, coyotes and all that kind of stuff. And You ever heard that phrase, he has a memory like a steel trap? Well, every now and then we'd find a skunk in that trap. And I'd tell him, I'm just your helper. <laughs> but anyway, I want to tell you, sometimes we got some skunks in our memory that we can't forget, right? And then sometimes we have things in our memory that just get lost. It's an amazing thing. Uh, you know why that is? It's because of the sin curse. It's because of the sin nature. We forget the things we should remember. <laughs> Sometimes I test people about my sermon. I see them on Monday, and I'll give them a little test about what I preach. It's very subtle, and it's about 50-50. And then on Tuesday, I'll run into somebody, and I'll give them a little test about what I preached on Sunday. And it's about uh, 75, 30. And then I never do it after Tuesday because I've forgotten what I preached. <laughs> we forget what we need to remember, and we remember what we need to forget. And the only way I know, the only way I know of keeping God's truth in our memory is to just continually be an expositor of the Word of God. Just preach verse by verse through the books of the Bible consistently. Not letting the calendar dictate what's preached, but letting the book that God has put us in for a season. And that means some holidays we don't preach on. Man, I want to tell you what, if I, between the denominational calendar and the secular calendar and the so-called religious calendar, I'd never get to preach through a book of the Bible if we did all that, but 
um, we need to be true to the Word of God. That is what Peter deals with in our text. He's talking to us about a reminder to remember. And how will we remember the Word of God? So I want to read the text to you. And mind you, he just finished talking about assurance of salvation. Telling us how to have assurance. What he has done and what we must do to have assurance. Now he gives us some more instruction. And he says, wherefore, because you need to have the assurance of your salvation and know God's word, wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though ye know them and be established in the present truth, yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Now to me, that is a fascinating text of Scripture. It is a heartwarming text of Scripture. Peter is about to die and he knows it. If I were to preach uh, to a group of preachers, this would be one of the texts I would go because this is great instruction for preachers. But it's also great instruction for the entire body of Christ. And this text tells us what it takes for us to keep in mind and in memory the truths of the Word of God. And it gets very practical and it leads us to some very practical application that we'll talk about in a few moments. But I want to share with you what this text does. If the preacher does his job, if the Sunday school teachers do their job and are faithful, and the preachers are faithful, and mamas and daddies are faithful to teach their children God's Word, there's three things that will happen today within the local church that are outlined in this text. First of all, it will challenge you to a commitment to the church, to be present and to be in attendance. Basically, church attendance in a Bible-preaching church is simply this. It is a commitment to remind and be reminded of God's truth. As a matter of fact, this is how the Bible is written. The Bible is written to remind you of His truth. For example, you read through the Bible and you come to Exodus. Genesis, then you come to Exodus. And you come to Leviticus and you make it through Leviticus. You need to get a certificate or something. But you come through Leviticus and then you get into Numbers and you read some exciting things. And then you come to Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is basically a reminder of what has taken place in Exodus and Numbers, which also contains what took place in Leviticus. And you're reminded once again, in terms of the historical event, it was a new generation that had grown up 
with Moses and, and people teaching them the facts and the truths of God. And now they're being reminded. And it's just a, 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 memory, a, a memory exercise in memory about what has gone on before. It seems to repeat. It restates much of what happened in Exodus. God is reminding His people of the law. You read the Gospels. You go into Matthew. And you finish Matthew, where do you come to? Mark. And you go from Mark and you come to Luke. And then you go to Luke and you go to John. A lot of differences, but a lot of the same material in different perspectives and presented in different methods and uh, different applications, no doubt, but the same material. Maybe some additions here and some uh, omitted in John that may be in Mark, etc., etc. But I want to tell you that's how the Word of God is written, to remind you of the truths of God. Paul, Paul wrote about this. This is what Paul said in Philippians 3.1. Finally, brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. In other words, Paul said, it is safe for me to repeat myself. It is safe to give you repetition of doctrine. And you can do that. You read the epistles of Paul and you read about something in Corinthians and you read about the same doctrine in Philippians or Colossians or Ephesians or one of his personal letters and, and it's the same doctrine but it just has a different approach, a different perspective, some way that you can get the material down in your mind and your brain so you can apply it in your daily life. Well, it's very interesting. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 3, which we'll get to before too much longer, is a direct quote from the book of Jude. And there's debates over who wrote first, Peter or Jude. Did Peter copy from Jude or did Jude copy from Peter? Well, both of them got it from the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt. We'll talk about that in days to come. But it's basically a repeat, repetition. That's how the Bible is written, reminding his readers. It is not that the Holy Spirit is being repetitive just for the sake of repetitive sake and he doesn't have enough material, but... The Lord knows, the Holy Spirit knows what excellent educators know. A key to getting truth and facts and getting people educated is repetition. You got to keep on and you got to keep on and you got to keep on and you got to keep on. You got to remind them. So it must be the commitment of the preacher and of the teacher and of the believer who doesn't preach and teach, they have other gifts, to constantly either be reminding or be reminded of God's truth. That's why we encourage you to read your Bible through. And when you finish, what do we say? Oh, you're done. Put it on the shelf and put it up there with some book you read two years ago and you're done with it. Is that what we say? We say, read it again. Read it again. Read it again. Read it again. So that's the commitment. And I want, I want to share something with you about this commitment to be reminded in the body of Christ. First of all, look at verse 12. Peter says, I will not be negligent 
to put you always. This commitment must be unceasing. It is constant. It never stops. Circumstances don't make it stop. You know what? COVID hit and they told us we couldn't come in here together anymore for a while or we shouldn't. So what would we do? We scrambled and we stood right here in front of a cheap camera. Unceasing, Cole. And look at verse 13. He says, uh, Yea, I think it meet. That word meet means it is upright. It is fitting. It is the right thing to do to be a constant reminder. And then look at verse 13. It is urgent. He says to stir you up. To stir you up, verse 13. Keep it going. Keep you alert as to God's truth. Because the wolf is at the door and he's wearing sheep's clothing, it is urgent that we remind you constantly of God's truth. And then verse 13, 14, and 15, it is unending because Peter's talking about his death. And it's so wonderful what Peter says. Peter says, look, I'm about to die and I know it. I'm about to die and I know it, verse 14. Moreover, he says, I'm taking measures right now to make sure that after, after I'm gone, I can still keep on reminding you of God's truth. And you know what he's talking about? He's talking about this letter right here, 2 Peter. That's what he's leaving behind. And so it is a challenge to be reminded and to remind. A challenge to a commitment in the church. Second of all, though, this reminder to remind that Peter gives us does confront the culture in the church. It confronts the culture that is permeating the church at large and especially here in America. And it's like, sometimes it's like you, you if you want to be doctrinally sound and you want to protect the people of God from falsehood, it's like you got your hand against a wall of heresy, a wall of compromise, and it's pressing down on you and you're pushing it back. That's the culture of the church today. The text confronts us with what is always current and seeking to penetrate the church, and that is heresy of all kinds and false doctrine, very subtle, yet always enlarging itself, always having to be dealt with. Years ago, when I first started preaching, you would have somebody in the church teaching off the wall, and nine times out of ten, you'd go to them and you'd say, let me show you the Word of God more fully and address something you were saying in your class or you're trying to teach. And Let me show you why we take issue with that. And you'd show them in the Word of God. And about nine times out of ten, you know what they'd say? Oh, thank you. I'm so glad. Thank you for straightening me out. Thank you for showing me that. Well, today, the intensity of the conflict is this. Well, you're being insensitive. Or you're being unloving. It started out with this little statement. Well, just because they're wrong doesn't mean they're wrong. Yeah. I said that correctly. 
I mean, that's it. If you disagree with me, you're insensitive and loving. You are denying my truth. This is what has worked for me. And that's how it is these days more often than not. You criticize somebody for teaching heresy and people call you a bigot. Or they call you some prefix and put the suffix fold on it. You know, you're scared of something. You're afraid of it. Well, I won't be honest with you. I am afraid of false doctrine. I'm afraid of false doctrine. I'm afraid of false teachers. Let me give you some of the approaches of the false teachers today. And we're going to get into this in 2 Peter 2. You don't want to miss one verse from 2 Peter 2. Man, that, that, I've been writing these sermons and studying this, and I want to tell you something. It, it's, uh, uh, it, it's something else. But look, look let, me, let me tell you the philosophies today that permeate the church. And it comes from a false teaching. Number one, here it is, feeling over fact. Feeling over fact. Many in today's church simply want to feel good, and they want to feel good instantly. They, they, doctrine does not matter. doesn't matter what the Word of God teaches at all about any given subject, any lifestyle at all, uh, feeling over fact. They want to feel. They want to feel. Second, self-revelation over scriptural inspiration. In the pulpit is the claim that God has told somebody something. God told me. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If God has ever told me something, He's also told you something, and you can find it in the Bible. Amen? That's our authority. And self-revelation over scriptural inspiration. In the pew these, these days, it's my truth. People have this idea, it's my truth. It's very interesting. In my William Carey class, I had somebody say, when you are teaching the Bible, true and false questions are inappropriate because one truth may not be the same truth with different people. She picked the wrong professor. But anyway, people want to hear from God. If you want to hear from God, folks, read the Bible. This is how God speaks. Read the Bible. Quit running around trying to find some experience or something new or something that's going to make you heebie-jeebie. Read the Bible and God speaks. Amen? I'm going to tell you what, that's what we believe here at First Baptist Church, Ocean Springs. And then another is, uh, from self-revelation over scriptural, another is experience over exposition. People want to have some experience, and they don't want to dig into the Word of God and see what they need to do. And they'll take an experience, and they'll interpret the Word of God in light of that experience rather than taking the Word of God and interpreting the experience in the light of the Word of God. Next week, 
Next week, I believe it is, we're going to talk about a magnificent and marvelous experience that Peter had. It was fascinating. One of the most unique things in all the world. As a matter of fact, three men, Jesus and three men alive and two dead men are the only ones in history to have ever experienced what Peter's going to talk about next week. And it's a marvelous experience. It's fascinating. It's something that has never happened before and will never happen again. There's, it's amazing. An experience. But Peter goes on to say, after he talks about that experience, he says, but more sure than that is the Bible, the Word of God. So experience over exposition, that's another thing. Here's a big one. Pragmatism over biblical practice. If we do this, preacher, it, we will grow. If, if we do this, we can raise all kinds of money. And there's no biblical basis for it whatsoever. So what do you do to grow? You do what the Bible says. You know how you grow a church? You preach the Bible, and you have your members and your pastors and your leaders out sharing the gospel, winning souls. That's how, you, that's how they did it in the book of Acts, and that hadn't changed. But there's pragmatism. Boy, if it works, if it works... Well, I'm going to tell you something. Something may work on earth and end up in hell. What are you trying to grow? Wheat or, uh, wheat or weeds? Huh? Pragmatism over biblical practice. And here's the big, here, here's the one today. New, better than true. New, better than true. People want something new. I talk to younger pastors an awful lot and and they ask many questions. They ask questions about how I deal with church members. And I say, I don't have a clue because every day it's a new deal. <laughs> I'm just kidding you. They ask all kinds of questions. One question I had recently is, you know, Easter is coming up and Christmas comes around. And, man, I just need some new material. I mean... You know, we, we go to the same text and, and all that. Uh, I just need something new. What do you do to keep fresh? What do you do to be relevant? Well, I learned uh, in my ministry long ago that the Bible is relevant. Preach it. And another thing is... Um, <clears throat> You're not going to be able to come up with anything new with a resurrection. It already happened and God ordained it like it was. So preach it. Just preach it. Trust God. Huh. Let me say this to our Sunday school teachers, and I'm going to say this to, to Mike Barnett and anybody, any preacher who may hear this message. This text tells us who are stewards of the Word of God for others, for other believers, all of us. If you are teaching or preaching anything that is newer than 96 A.D. when John finished the Revelation, you are a heretic. That's very humbling. When I read this text, you know what, you know what it said God used to tell me? You have nothing new to say. 
Just remind them of what I've said. And I finished talking in 96 A.D. when John said amen at the end of Revelation. Well, God, don't... I mean, I read a lot. I, I, I mean, I, I'm a pretty smart guy. You have nothing, don't they? People like to look smart and intelligent. I remember one time I was at a grocery store in North Louisiana. <laughs> this, this is uh, kind of comical. But there was a man in a nice dress suit. He was a very sharp-looking man. And there was another fellow behind him. And, and um, he, uh, this, I was standing next to the counter because I was close friends with the owner of the store. And we were in there. And so I asked the guy, I said, man, you passing through? He said, I am. He said, I'm on my way back to Baton Rouge. He said, I work for the state. And my store owner buddy said, well, what do you do? And he said, man, I... Uh, I work uh, with illiteracy here in Louisiana. He says, we have one of the highest uh, percentages of illiteracy uh, in the state. As a matter of fact, in the nation. And I said, wow, it's that bad. He said, illiteracy is very bad here. And the guy behind him says, yeah, we pick it up all day on the roads. <laughs> well... That ended the meeting. And uh, I looked at my buddy and looked at the man, and he just smiled and said, see what I mean? And uh, that dear soul, I mean, I'm sure God, lo you know, God loves him, folks. He, he just grinned like he had said something important. God says, I'm the only one who says anything important. Amen. So new is better than true is a heresy and a false doctrine that has come into the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We preach the old doctrines. We preach verse by verse and stay true to the book. And that's how we must teach. It is applicable truth. No doubt there are new ways. Philip was told, go get in that man's chariot and share the gospel. Well, today he still says go, but he doesn't say go get in a chariot. He says go get in that golf cart on the course or go get into that group or go into that neighborhood or that school. But... Um, this text confronts the culture that is permeating the church of the Lord Jesus. And I have to make a commitment to be a reminder of the old truths. That's how it is. And then, third thing, this text not only uh, does these things, but this text confir confirms you as a Christian in the church. Verse 12, Peter is being a shepherd here. He is not rebuking anybody because we all have this tendency about us to be forgetful, especially of the things of God. When you take the Word of God and put it into your mind, everything that is in you, naturally in you, the flesh repels. And everything that's in this world fights against it. And the devil certainly 
fights against it. And so he's not rebuking anybody. He's encouraging us. Scripture teaches us that in the face of sin and evil, in the face of false doctrine and heresies that are always knocking at the door or even barging in, uh, there will be a people who are always true to the Word of God. There's always going to be those who hold fast to the faith. Even in tribulation times that will one day come upon this earth, there will be a people who will come to the Lord and be true. They may be a minority at that time. From generation to generation, they may be a minority in any given generation. Even a decreasing minority. But they are a people who hold to the truth and there are three characteristics about them. People who are constantly being reminded. Number one, they continually study the Scripture. Peter says in this verse, he says, No, wherefore I will not be negligent to always remind you of these things, though you know them. I know you know them. I'm just reminding you. How many of you have ever said that to your husband or wife? Huh? Or your teenager? Well, Peter says it here. I know you know them. I'm reminding you. Know. Know what? These things. All that Peter has said about our salvation. Peter had the Old Testament. He had Paul's, some of Paul's epistles, if not all of them. And uh, he... Uh, he says, I, we have these things. I know you know them. I know you know them. And he says, you know what salvation is. You know what it does to you. You know what growth is and sanctification. You know what you should do. You know how you should live. You're true to the Word of God. You know it. And he says, verse 8, you're, you're a verse 8 people. Look, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he says, continually study the Scriptures so that you can be reminded of these things you know. Of these things you know. Dear friend, the problem you're having in your Christian walk is not that you don't know enough. It's that you forget the things that you do know. You see? You're going to know enough. God's going to give it to you. But don't forget what you do know. Because if you forget what you do know, you're not going to be a verse 8 person. You're going to be a verse 9 person. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. You have all kinds of problems. Verse 9 folks are the ones who let in the false doctrine. Let's be verse 8 people. Continually study the Scripture. Sure, you'll learn new truth that's in the Bible. Been there all along, but, but you remember what you do know, too. Second, this, these people who are confirmed are sound in the Scripture. Peter talks about them knowing, but then he says, and be established. People that are established. It's a perfect tense verb, completed action, indicated, indicating a settled position in the truth that's in them. But it's a passive verb, meaning that somebody has brought them to the point where they're established. Someone has discipled them. 
Somebody has taken them under their wing and taught them the Word of God to settle the truth. And now they are encased in concrete. The Holy Spirit taking the Word of God and preaching and teaching and discipling. And the third thing about these people who were confirmed by this text is they trust in the sufficiency of Scripture. Peter said, you know these things, you are established in the present truth. Very interesting, in the present truth, meaning the truth that is at hand, the truth that you have. Now, from the context of Peter's epistles, we know that they had the Old Testament. 1 Peter, he had 1 Peter, this first letter that he wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. We know from 2 Peter chapter 3 that he had the epistles of Paul. We know they had the gospels, perhaps with the exception of John. And so Peter says, be established in the truth you have. Well, today we have the completed truth. The canon of Scripture is closed. There's no more Bible to be written because all the apostles... And the prophets are dead and gone into heaven. And God used them to pen the word of God, guided by the Holy Spirit. We'll see that in a couple of weeks. And Peter says, trust the sufficiency of Scripture. That it is sufficient. Folks, have you ever thought what would happen in a church if you took away everything? Everything like they have to do in the Ukraine today, like they have to do in China today, like they have to do in North Korea today. And you just get this group of believers huddled somewhere, and all they have, all they have is just a man to open up the Bible and teach it and preach it. What would happen then? Well, I don't know what would happen. I don't know what would happen to many members of First Baptist Church. Hope I don't have to find out. But I want to ask you this. Do you believe that that would be sufficient for us to bear testimony and bear the truth for Jesus Christ in these trying times? The Word of God is sufficient. Amen. The Word of God is all you need. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The sufficiency of Scripture. People want new, but God has spoken in the Word and it is complete and it is sufficient. So, that's what this text does today when it challenges us to be a reminder and be reminded. And I want to encourage you to do four things to stir up your memory. This is the takeaways, if you will. To keep you in remembrance of what the Word of God teaches and learn more of the blessed truth about the blessed Savior from the blessed Word of God. Uh, Absolutely. But uh, these four things, you ready? you do these four things, I want to tell you something. Uh, You'll be well on your way to having memory like a steel trap. Number one, 
Be faithful in your church attendance. This is where you will learn and be reminded of the Word of God corporately. This is where faithful teachers and faithful preachers and disciplers will lead you in the education of the church, the education of the Bible. And read the Bible, in addition to that, read the Bible on your own. Spend daily time in the Word of God. Be faithful in your church attendance. And if you're visiting with us today and you do not have a Bible preaching, if you're a member of a church that doesn't preach the Bible, uh, verse by verse, I'm just going to tell you right now, it's time to go. Get somewhere where they teach the Bible. Verse by verse. Number two, check your attitude about the Word of God. Now I'm going to get real particular here. And I'm not picking on anybody. If you, ever, if you have ever said this to me, I'm not picking on you. I'm rebuking you. All right? I've heard people say, oh, well, we've already studied that book. No reason for me to be in it again. So from now on, Lord, help me to remember, when somebody says that to me, I'm going to say, give me ten things you learned. And you know what they're going to say? Ah, nothing. I forgot. Any book of the Bible. This attitude is contrary to how the Word of God is written. The Word of God is written, remember, to remind us of His truth. That's why God put it in print. Repetition. It's how we learn and how we remember. And then here's the third thing. And I've done this, and it's been a great blessing to me, and I want to share it with you. You've heard me talk about it a couple of times. I shared with it to our men's uh, battle group the other day. Uh, three, a Bible memory app. There's an app for Bible memory. There's an app for everything. Did you know? Did you know you can get a Walmart app, and they'll bring your groceries out to you in the parking lot? I don't like that. I like to see people. But I love my Bible app. And uh, there's the, that's the one I use right there, Bible Memory, the Bible Memory app. Get it, it's Google, I mean, iPhone, whatever all that stuff is. And you can get all that, and it's a great tool for memorizing the Word of God. And it helps you, it guides you along. You hit the wrong word, it burns your fingers. No, <laughs> it doesn't do anything like that, but it shakes a little bit. I'm going to tell you, start memorizing Scripture. And you know what? When you start memorizing Scripture, I'm going to tell you what happens. It gets easier and easier because your mind's being cleared. And it gets easier and easier. And I want to tell you what? You'll wake up thinking about it. And uh, you, you'll love it. It'll be a blessing to you. And so, a Bible memory app. The fourth thing is be an active witness for Jesus. Share what you know about Jesus. Share what the Word of God says about Jesus with lost people. Do it for His glory. And you'll remember, you'll remember the truths of God. He'll kick them in. He'll kick them in. You ever uh, walk into a room and someone's, one time for a holiday, Miss Tracy was cooking a whole bunch of pies and I walked in cool day and I walked in and I, it smelled like my grandma's house smell kicks in memories don't it and I stood in the doorway and just wept about better days and wonderful days in grandma's house 
and uh, you ever or see something and it brings up a memory. Well, I won't tell you how you bring up the memories of the Word of God. You apply it in obedience. And you start sharing your faith and God will give you memory. It kicks in. Well, Peter is soon to die. We read about it. He knows it. He said, I'm about to give up on this tabernacle. He says basically the same thing about death that Paul does. There's another repeat and another repetition. It's a tabernacle. This body's a tabernacle. And it's real interesting. He goes back to John chapter 21, and he remembers what Jesus said to him along the coastal line of the, of the Sea of Galilee. And he says, uh, when Jesus told him about his death and how he was going to die, and Peter makes mention of it, he says, just as Jesus said, it's about to happen. And Peter says this about his death. And so you got a picture as old Peter's writing this out. Old gnarled hands, the old apostle soon to go to heaven, facing a violent death. He says, my commitment is I will be faithful until I put off this tabernacle. I will not quit until my last breath. He says, I know my death is going to be swift and quick. Just like the Lord said. He's remembering what Jesus said. Folks, wouldn't it be wonderful when you come to your time to die that you remember what Jesus said? And here's a fascinating thing in verse 15. This is wonderful. In verse 15 he says, Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. So he talks about his death as being a, a tabernacle, putting off a tabernacle, and then he talks about it as being a decease. And we're going to see next week that that very same word decease is the very same word that Jesus used on the Mount of Transfiguration, that glorious experience when he was talking to Moses and Elijah about his death. Isn't it going to be wonderful to, on our deathbed to remember what the Lord Jesus said and to use the same term for our death that he did for his death? Wonderful. That's what Peter does. On his deathbed, he didn't remember his denial. He didn't remember his, his failure, but he remembered the glory of the Lord. Tradition says... That before Peter was crucified upside down at his request, which is tradition, could very well be. Tradition said his wife was crucified first. And he watched it. And those old historians say that he stood at the foot of her cross encouraging her. Constantly saying, remember the Lord, remember the Lord, remember the Lord. There's an old song we sing by Kate Hankey, wrote in 1866. It has this chorus in it, this verse. Tell me the story slowly that I may take it in. That wonderful redemption, God's remedy for sin. Tell me the story often, for I forget so soon. 
The early dew of morning has passed away at noon. You don't want the dew of the Word of God to pass away by noon. You want to keep on being reminded. And that's what we need to be about. Let's stand for our song of appeal. And I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and talk to the Lord. I'm about to call you to a commitment here. We don't need this to be made public. You make it before you and God right now. Would you commit? Would you commit to the ministry of being reminded, faithful in church attendance, to hear God's Word? Bible memory, whether you get the app or not. Bible memory. Daily time in the Word of God consistently. Finishing and starting over. Reading, a, focusing on a, a portion for a length of time, wherever the Holy Spirit gives you direction, puts in your heart and mind. And be reminded and tell the story over and over again. This is Cole Andrews, the family minister here at First Baptist Church, Ocean Springs. I want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into our podcasts and sermons today. We surely hope you have been blessed by the Word of God. I'd like to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com, to learn more about our church. We sure would love to see you in church on Sunday. May God bless you.